0: And we have the honor of having one of our missionaries actually here with us this morning, a covenant missionary, Erica Clausen. And if that name sounds familiar, she's the daughter-in-law of um, Herb and Elaine. And so we're so excited that uh, she's part of that God's family is also our family um, by that relationship. So I'm going to ask her to come forward and bring the word this morning, please. working? Am I on? Okay. Buenos dias. Buenos dias. All right. Good to be with you today. Wow. What, what a joy. I, I just want to share. I, I sense God's presence here. God's spirit here at work moving as we worship together. What beautiful worship. That third song the, on the Beatitudes I'd never heard before. Beautiful song. And that hymn I hadn't sung in years. Wow, God is speaking. God is moving. The children's message, Joppa, the woman, it all is connecting. I sense God's spirit here with us this morning. Um, My name is Erica Clausen, and I am a covenant missionary. My husband, Nils, and I have been serving Mexico for the last 17 years with the Covenant. One thing that I forgot to mention is Tom and Jeannie Peterson. I am also related to Jeannie and and so they are family as well. Um, My dad, my father Dan Brodine, who's also a Covenant pastor, is cousins with Jeannie and so it's always fun to connect with them when we visit as well. Um, But it is a joy, it is a joy to be here with you and I bring greetings from mis hermanos y mis hermanas in Mexico, my brothers and sisters in Mexico, our brothers and sisters in Christ, I also bring greetings from my family, um, Nils, my husband, and my three kids, Matthias, Lucas, and Maya. Some of you met them a couple weeks ago when we were visiting over the 4th. They're back in Minnesota today and all doing well, healthy, for which we are very grateful. This last year of home assignment was unlike any other. As we were unable to travel and visit churches in person, it actually allowed us more time to process and express our grief and lament over leaving our home of 17 years in Mexico. And arriving, realizing this was our first home assignment, that we were uncertain about our return to Mexico. During this last year of discernment and listening to the Holy Spirit, we saw how God was leading us to continue as covenant missionaries, or as serve global personnel, that's the new title, but now from Minnesota. During our last term in Oaxaca, our ministry had expanded to serve more at a regional level with travel throughout Mexico and Latin America. And also, with many churches and ministries in Mexico moving their meetings on Zoom, it became possible for us to stay connected with our partners in Mexico. And as travel opens up, our hope is that we will be able to visit in person as well. So this next year, I will be focusing my attention on continuing to serve as an advisor for Miami, ministering to the abused and exploited in Mexico, while I also visit and share God's word and what God is doing in Mexico with our supporting churches. While Nils has joined the Covenant World Relief and Development team full-time as a global as the global partner liaison. So he's getting to know all that the covenant is is partnering with around the world. But I want to stress that we continue to serve as covenant missionaries, and we depend on your faithful prayers and support, even as we will now be serving from the U.S. And we're excited about the ways that we can continue to serve God's kingdom, both here in the U.S. and globally in this coming season. So thank you thank you for your partnership in the gospel over these years and thank you for your prayers and support for our family and ministry we are so grateful i have entitled this sermon holy listening to the spirit and to to others this last week i was in an intensive spiritual direction class at north park theological seminary where we practiced listening to god and to others and there was so much that i learned that i wanted to add on to this sermon but that will be for another time but today i would like to highlight just a few things from our passage in acts share a few stories from mexico and ask us some reflection questions to consider as individuals and as the church. This chapter in Acts begins with a recounting of what happened, the last chapter. Peter's surprising baptism of the first Gentile believers, Cornelius and his family. However, we discover that when the circumcised believers find out what happened, they do not rejoice at this news, but start to attack and criticize Peter. You went into the house of the uncircumcised and ate with them? You broke the Jewish laws. What were you thinking, Peter? And how does Peter respond when he is attacked? He does not attack back. Rather, he explains to them in detail what happened. In his explanation, Peter repeats the very important word he received from God Do not call anything impure that God has made pure. And then something amazing happens. They listened! They listened to Peter, these circumcised, devout Jewish believers who were so sure that they were right and Peter was wrong, that they were pure and the Gentiles were impure. God opened these Jewish believers' ears, their hearts and their minds to really listen to what Peter had to tell them. And they believed him. They believed him and they believed the experience of those they had considered impure who they had considered outside of god's grace friends how quickly do we judge and criticize the actions of fellow believers of christ often without even listening to their version of what happened or why they did what they did we are so quick to call their actions unchristian or worldly and i've been thinking about why we do that why why i do that sometimes and i think it has a lot to do with me being stuck in my own personal perception my own way of seeing and interpreting life Reality, scripture, God. And if I do go beyond my own individual perception, it usually only includes my group's perception. White, middle class, educated, evangelical. And so I also wonder Who are the groups or people that I believe to be impure or unable for God to reach or unable to teach me anything new? Am I open, really, to listening to those people? To someone who has a totally different life experience than me, am I open to changing my mind through hearing their story. If not, I'm not really listening. This past year, I've been on a journey of listening to the stories of oppressed groups in the United States, to hearing their experiences of prejudice and racism, and to their interpretation of US history to my Asian, African, Native, and Latino-Americans. I want to hear their stories. My understanding of our US history has changed because of their stories, and their perspective, and their suffering. I have felt called to repent of the ways that I and my white ancestors have been complicit in our silence with racism. Racism that rejects the Imago Dei in my brothers and sisters of color. And I have also been discerning how I am called by the same Holy Spirit that empowered them to survive slavery, native boarding schools, Japanese internment camps, or the separation at the border from their parents? How is it that that same Holy Spirit that empowered them is now calling me and empowering me to listen to, believe, and speak up and act in solidarity with my brothers and sisters of color? This is a question I am often asking the Lord in prayer. Listening from the heart to others, and to the Holy Spirit, is the key to breaking down barriers and building relationship, seeking reconciliation, and discerning God's guidance. When Nils and I first arrived in Oaxaca nine years ago, we moved from northern Mexico to southern Mexico. And we, when we arrived, we just realized, this is a completely different culture northern Mexico, and southern Mexico. And so we decided, let's dedicate these first two years to listening and building relationships. So we visited churches, and we listened to the pastor's sermons. We invited church leaders into our homes to hear their stories, and to share our own, and to share meals together. And as we started to get to know one another, we started to receive invitations to preach and teach, and we often said yes, but again, our main intention was growing in understanding and relationship. And I quickly discovered that the women in particular, the women in Oaxaca, have a great treasure treasure to share, and they will share it with those who want to listen and learn. I was privileged to first listen to, honor, and then be a part of their sacred stories of joy and sorrow, faith and doubt, loss and pain, forgiveness, redemption, change and transformation. Together with my missionary colleague, Patty Restrepo, we were invited to help form a district women's group for the Covenant Church in Oaxaca. What a tremendous blessing to form a community of discipleship, training, and service where together we could experience God's love and unique calling on our lives, where we could become equipped and empowered to go out and share our gifts with the world. While many of the male church leaders did not see these women as worthy of service within the church, God opened other doors for them to serve. And they discovered that God indeed had chosen and called, equipped and empowered them with the Holy Spirit to join God in his kingdom work with whomever would welcome them. Many still have not been allowed to teach, but they are being open to how God is calling them, together and individually. And one ministry that came out of that women's group and joined together with another group in Mexico City with the same vision was Miami, ministering to the abused and exploited in Mexico. Our vision in Miami is to contribute to the development and formation of conscientious and healthy Christian disciples and leaders, forming part of healthy families, churches, and communities that are committed to impacting their environment by embodying the values of the kingdom of God. Today, MIAM consists of 45 committed volunteers located in seven regions throughout Mexico who serve as facilitators and advocates justice and peace and agents of transformation both in their families and in their communities by breaking the cycle of violence that has oppressed them for generations. And we're also convinced that transformation begins from within. That is a foundational aspect of our ministry. Investing in the training, formation, and consistent pastoral care for our facilitators results not only in a better and integrated understanding of the dynamics of violence and abuse, but also in their integral personal restoration, from which they are enabled to minister well to others. Each of our 45 facilitators have completed over 100 hours of personal healing workshops and training. The heart of all that we do in Miami is holy listening, by offering a safe space for people to share their pain, shame, and struggles with the God who sees and loves them and longs to offer them healing and restoration. Brenda is a Guatemalan missionary serving in Oaxaca who forms part of the Miami team, and she discovered how god had uniquely called her and equipped her through her participation in Miami, to walk with her pastor and his wife as they listened to their daughter share how she had been abused by another leader in their church she then committed to walking with this daughter on her healing journey and brenda also helped the pastors and other church leaders believe and support this young woman, and then embark on their own healing journey. She and another Miami facilitator equipped this group of pastors to address issues of abuse within their church, which led them to open up the conversation at the larger church level, only to hear other abuse survivors come forward. This led the whole church to recognize abuse as evil and call the abuser to repentance and removal from church ministry while also offering him help with the hope that he might be restored as well raquel is another facilitator and she her husband and sister are serving in an abandoned abused and trafficked neighborhood with children that are marginalized and forgotten And even as they have struggled with their pain from their own lives, they have found God's forgiveness and freedom, love and embrace, as they have courageously shared their stories with those in Miami who offered compassionate listening. Through their own healing and the support of Miami, they are now empowered by the Spirit to love and minister to the children in their neighborhood and continue their unique calling to be light in a very dark place. Brothers and sisters, let us never underestimate the gift of holy listening. Listening to the stories of others, especially those whose voices have been ignored or silenced for too long. Throughout the book of Acts, we see the main actor is the Holy Spirit. And her main job is to empower the church to fulfill the mission that Jesus gave the disciples in Acts 1. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In this chapter, we see how Peter listens well to the Holy Spirit's promptings, which leads him to visit and listen to Cornelius and his family's story and then share the good news of the gospel throughout acts the holy spirit is pushing the church to embrace diversity and work for love and unity at the same time in verse 15 Peter continues with his story and says that the same Holy Spirit in the same way came on them as she came on us. There was no denying it. And when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, so then even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. They had no further objections and praised God. May we hear the stories of our brothers and sisters, both near and far, and believe them, and allow our hearts to be moved by compassion, to pray for them, and to give whatever we can to support, and to make changes in our own lives, to live more closely in solidarity with our brothers and sisters that are struggling, struggling some to survive. And may we remember the good news of the gospel, that repentance leads to life. Peter is reminding us today, repentance leads to life. So may we repent individually and communally for the ways we have not listened well to our brothers and sisters, for the ways we have not practiced solidarity, May we repent and make the changes necessary so that we, together with all God's people, may have life. Even after all of this, there is still some resistance. Some only preach to the Jews. Others preach also to the Greeks. And the church grows throughout Syria and among the Gentiles. The church in Jerusalem responds to this growth by sending Barnabas to Antioch in the region of Syria. What do we know about Antioch at that time? Well, Antioch was referred to as all the world in one city. All the world in one city. Where you could see all the world's richness and diversity in one place. And the marketplace was its hub Antioch was designed, like most cities of that day, a circular wall on the outside, a marketplace in the center, with the interior of the city walled in a way that divided different people groups from one another, just like the racial segregation we see in most of our cities today. Enter Christ followers enter the gospel, the church came to Antioch and began breaking down the dividing barriers in a way that upset the society's existing categories. People from all parts of the city, Jews and Gentiles alike, were suddenly coming together. This group of people was redefining community in a radical and unprecedented way. So much so that a new word was needed to categorize what was happening. The early church was called Christians by the powers that be for the first time in Antioch. It wasn't a name that Jesus' disciples gave to themselves. It was a name given to them by the society in Antioch for what they witnessed was happening. And so then Barnabas goes looking for Saul and brings him back to Antioch with him. And I just, I love their practice of mission. First, when Barnabas arrives, he sees what the grace of God had already done. Before the missionary arrived, God was already at work. And Barnabas took the time to notice, pay attention and listen to how God was already at work among these new believers in Antioch. And then he rejoiced and was glad and encouraged them in their faith. And then when Paul joins him, they stay for a while. They stay for a year teaching and living among this new community of faith. The chapter ends with these new Christians, a mixed racial and ethnic group, in Antioch, sending help for the economically poor believers in Judea. Such a beautiful picture of being one in the spirit, showing love to those who were once strangers but have now become family. As we conclude, I'd like to invite us to take some time to reflect. And I'm going to offer several questions. And I would ask you to listen to the spirit within. What question or what invitation is stirring in you, connects with you today? I'll leave a pause as I share these questions, after each question. Has there been someone? someone in your life, or maybe a certain group of people who you have been unwilling to listen to? What might be God's invitation to you? Can you think of a time when you listened to someone's story And that story changed you, changed your mind, changed your life, possibly. What was that like for you? How have those who are different than you shown you God's love? or expanded your understanding of the gospel? As a church, as faith covenant church, how do you discern the leading of the Holy Spirit? How has the Spirit led you, Faith Covenant, to reach out to those who are different? I would like to offer you one final invitation for this week. Ask God to show you someone who God may want you to reach out to. To listen to their story, perhaps. Maybe someone in this church that you don't know well yet. Or someone in your neighborhood or in your church's neighborhood, in this church neighborhood. And I invite you to listen to God's spirit, to see who God puts on your heart. And then I invite you to take that courageous step of offering holy listening to another. Amen.